Hi, everyone. Um, welcome to Nice Guy Deep Dive, where my friend Addie and I take a deeper look into topics we find interesting. Um, so I'm Ben. I'm in New York City. And I'm Addie, and I'm in London, United Kingdom. I'm sorry, I should have said, I'm in New York City, New York, the United States, yeah. North American yeah, continent. Exactly. I'm at... <laughs> I kid him all the time, but that's okay. We're friends. Oh, well, the, the, so, the British are much more formal, you see. So that's, oh, that's where it comes it, from. It's called big stick up their ass. But anyway, <laughs> that's another that's another topic. So so today Is that um, big stick up their ass, New York. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Probably Westchester. <laughs> anyway, hold on, hold on. Let's let's so we're gonna get going. So um I decided to come up with a topic for today. Addie chose the last two. And I wanted to talk about what does it mean to be a man? So I think Addie asked me, I think you asked me in the WhatsApp, where did I get this topic? And I just kept thinking of the book. Because I think I told you last time I was going to pick something from the book. But that's kind of like what the whole book is about, right? It's kind of like, yeah. how do you be a man? How do you be a man and still have feelings? How do you be a man and still have boundaries? How to be a man and ask for what you want in bed, right? So that's kind of like the whole thing that kind of came into my head was, what does it mean to be a man? I mean, it's is it the, it's not real? Is it the same as in the fifties? Has it always been the same? It's just that you know social constructs change things. You know, sensitive men, rugged men, whatever. So that's going to be our topic. And um, there's really two things I think we're going to talk about at the beginning that might be. Um, kind of intertwined, uh, at least um, you think so, and I, I think so too, authenticity and accountability. So first, what do you mean yeah. by accountability as, in, as it pertains to what does it mean to be a man? Talk about accountability. Yeah, I think, so accountability essentially, at least, at least for me is that like, as a man, if I am actually a wanting to achieve my own goals, for myself and if I'm one wanting to achieve for people I love and care about, I have to be like, you know, I have to be accountable and at least be true to my word or true to what I promise. And I think mm -hmm. that making a habit of that over the long term is actually what can propel you more towards what you want and success uh, in your life as a man. So, so essentially, I believe accountability, uh, that, that's what it means to me in terms of authenticity. Uh, I would say. Oh, let's hold on, hold on. Let's go. Let me get accountability. Then we'll talk about authenticity. Yeah, sure, sure. I want to want to kind of separate them and then we'll combine them. So yeah. So this is really interesting about accountability. Um, I'm taking a business. Uh, I have a business coach right now. I told you about this. And my coach Stephanie Ray calls herself the accountability accountability evangelist. But what's so interesting about what she does with accountability? It's not like she's holding me accountable. She's not like, did you do your homework? Did you eat your veggies? It's not bad. It's she's holding me. She's saying, Ben, have you achieved your goals? Um, why not? What's going on? And it's up to me to hold myself accountable to the goals, but she kind of gives me a pathway. So accountability is really, it's it's really much, I think you said this, it's being true to my goals, being accountable to myself, yeah. being accountable to my friends and family meaning that when they need me, I'm there. Um, being held accountable for the things I say, you know, not hiding from it, yeah. right? I mean, social Actions media today, words, both, action in and deeds, right? Actions and words, being accountable 
and being responsible. That could be another thing, responsibility, but they're all kind of intertwined. And um, I just, I like, I like that you brought up accountability because I, I didn't think of that one, but I do think it's so important. It's so funny. I think all of these could be t as a person or as a woman or as a human being, but we're talking specifically about things pertaining to men. And I'm wondering if you think men are held to a different standard rec uh, regarding accountability versus maybe let's say women. Um, hmm. That's, that's a, kind yeah, of, because I, question, I know, right? It's kind of like, I'm, I don't want to compare, but I'm wondering if we need to, in order to really kind of separate, what does it mean to be a man? Because if everything was equal, then we probably would never have this question and probably hundreds and thousands of books would never be written yeah. on the topic. So yes. do you think it's, do you think accountability is different for men and women? I would say so, yes. And 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 I, for, for, for people want to say that that's a controversial answer. I don't really think it's controversial because I think mm -hmm. the way men interact with each other a lot of the times is very much based on a culture of accountability to some extent, because essentially if, if let's say we make plans to meet up and let's, and then we didn't show up for, for, for two or three times, right? I mean, you'd kind of be like, hey, you know, I talked to this guy, we talked, we talked it clear, we discussed our feelings or something, or we were direct with each other. And that's just a, a way like, you know, I feel a lot of the times I've noticed that, like communication with other men, but I have noticed, and this is not speaking for all women, because I'm not a woman, so I, I'll have to, I know you put that qualifier out there, uh, that's not speaking for all women, but for my friends uh, who are women and who interact with other women, I've noticed that they give each other a lot of leeway for many things, which you might not if, 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 between two men, essentially, because I have a friend and she makes plans to meet up with this other friend and she, she doesn't show up once, doesn't show up twice, or if she show, shows up like an hour, hour and a half late, like she'll totally be okay with her and still love her in spite of that. Wow. Does she, and, I mean, does she at least call? Does she at least call to say she's going to be late? I think or so. does she think really she does. just blow her off? No, no, but so I think she does. But but my friend recognizes that like this person who does that, her personality is very much like last minute, or her personality mm. is very much like rambling and all over the place, and she doesn't like you know have uh, her stuff together. So 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 I've noticed like her actually forgive that. But I was thinking from my perspective, like you know, how often have I or how often have men each other forgiven? For these kind of things, like you know, like, oh, like seven p.m., seven p.m. Like, <laughs> it's like if I don't have, if I don't have a podcast with Ben, like six p.m. and six oh one, Ben's there, right? And and I know that I'm also gonna gonna be there. If if I'm not, I'll text Ben. I'll be like, hey, I'll be ten minutes late. But so it's very right. interesting. I you know I didn't really think of it that way. I'm very um, you know I'll, I'm good at with once. <laughs> not good but twice you know i've had people you know we set we set a schedule it's on my calendar yeah. and they don't show and i don't get angry i'm more annoyed because they're not valuing my time and they're making they're making it that their time is more important and to them it is but not to me so i find i do find it disrespectful but i don't flip out about it i just email them like one time I was having a, uh, I scheduled a meeting with this guy, Jordan, who is one of the guys I mentor. And it happened to be that 
we switched to daylight savings time before the UK and he's in the UK. So we were an hour different. So I emailed him like, what, you know, what the heck, what's going on? I didn't know this until he explained. I'm like, oh, okay. So stuff happens, right? But yeah. it's, it's really interesting. You talk about men and responsibility or accountability to other men. I'm trying to think if I treat men differently when it comes to accountability versus treating women differently. I don't know if I do. I mean, I'm a little more leeway, like, for example, if it's a friend, right? If yeah. it's a friend I'm a and I know circumstances, I'll be a little more tolerant, but I will say my piece. I will set my boundary if that needs to be the case. But if it's business, I'm, I'm not so, it's a little yeah, harder. I, I would say from a business perspective, they're more similar because essentially from a business perspective, you have a defined agenda, essentially when you are going with someone. And if you don't have a de defined agenda, there is professional decorum and professional courtesy 100%, that you have to 100%. Show, no matter the man or woman, right? This is more like, like with people you know and just like your friends and even family. Well, and in fact, you know, uh, you know, I gotta say though, yeah. something that just struck me is that when my friends either don't return a call or a text or something, I feel more hurt. <laughs> I don't feel <laughs> hurt if a meeting is missed. I get more annoyed or maybe even upset, but I don't get hurt. But with friends and family, yeah, I do get hurt. It really bothers me on a more personal level. But and so, again, so, so in, 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 indirectly, you're actually holding them not uh, like if they missed a meeting, you're actually holding them accountable indirectly. If, if who misses a meeting, a business, a business person, no, or your a friend? Your friends, you're your friends. I'm holding them accountable holding if them I, accountable well, if I make them aware of it, if I yeah. don't, and I expect like, if they said they were going to call. That's a covert contract. If you, no, 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 not if they said, I was thinking okay. that, but if they said they were going to mm -hmm. call and didn't, that's not a covert contract. I have every right to be upset because I, they said they would call. I expected them to call. That's not a covert contract where they didn't say anything and I expected them to call. No, what I'm saying is like, if you would be mad about it, but you wouldn't actually talk to them about it, then that would be well, a covert contract. That, well, that would be literally doing myself a disservice and not talking yes. about my boundaries. I've done that before. It doesn't, it's not good. I've done that with some friends for years. It's not good. And every, it ends up blowing up. It always ends up blowing up in, in my face, our face kind of thing. Um, I want to talk about um, that and then authenticity. I mean, yeah, I think that if you're authentic, if that word gets thrown around, but I really, I like the word authentic. For me, it's uh, me being me. I'm not me all the time in every situation. Um, I can't be, I can't, I mean, I'm with you in a certain situation. I may not be that with the head of some company. Um, that could be weird, but I do strive to be authentic in every situation as, as best I can. I mean, I think that's kind of like the most I can do and still exist in the world. What do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and, and I was gonna like, you know, before, I know we were talking about like, you know, accountability earlier and I was yeah. going to, the reason I was going to jump to authenticity is because I think yeah. they're so intertwined. They're just, there's just so much, so much to do with like, you know, actually being uh, true 
primarily uh, or to, uh, to do to what you want and essentially also matching that up with, let's say, your goals or, or, or people's expectations mm -hmm. or requirements of you. And um, being authentic has always been difficult for me. I mean, I, and I think I've reached a much better place in my life now. I think in the past, I was not as much. Why do you think that was? I know for me why it's not, why, it ha why yeah. I wasn't authentic growing up. And I'm happy to talk about it, but I'm, you brought it up and I'm curious to see what you think. Well, you have to say sure, that. Sure. Yeah, I, I think it was at the, at the beginning, it was just that um, even if I do like state my feelings, no one's going to hear or no one's even going to care. It was kind of like a like a lack of audience. In but that was that or, or not? Did just, you, like, thinking, was like, that true? Was that true or just something you believed? Just something I believed. It was, it was gotcha. Not true. Yeah. It was not yeah. true, but, but that's what I yeah. believed. And it was like, yeah. oh, well, 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 it actually matters. People, if you do like talk to the right people, they do care about what you think and, and how you feel about stuff. And that held me back for a long time. You know, I'm reading um, Daring Greatly, which you've read, uh, Brene Brown. And she does talk about, um, you know, those the people you share with have to be able to hold space. And I think for me as a kid, I didn't have anybody that would hold space for me unless I was whatever it was I was supposed to be. So I don't think I was really authentic hmm. probably until I moved to New York when I was 33. That's a long time to, to be inauthentic, not disingenuous. I wasn't fake or phony. I just wasn't really me. Um, you know, when I was a kid, a lot of it was because I knew I was different. I didn't know what gay was, but I knew I was different. And I felt I had to hide it for whatever reason. Uh, you know, the occasional joke you hear or something. <clears throat> and of course, kids making fun of you. Um, you know, kids sense things in other people before you do, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I was called names and all this kind of stuff. So that just made me not want to be myself. I mean, I look at kids today and I'm like so amazed at how they are who they are and they dress how they dress and you know that's just kind yeah. of how it is it's kind of cool but yeah I don't think I really started to understand my own authentic authenticity until I moved to New York in 1999. Mm. It's very interesting because let me ask follow up with a question because I am I'm an only child and I think part of solitude when you're growing up and not sharing is because, well, you're the only child. In your case, you mentioned that you do have siblings. So did you ever share with your sisters? Not at all. No, because no. It, I didn't, I didn't know what to share. I mean, when, I didn't know what to share. I didn't know what I was feeling. I didn't, I didn't feel close enough to anybody in my family to actually share my feelings to say, I don't know what's going on, but I feel this way. Mm. I did not feel that. I did not feel the, anybody was showing up for that. Um, so I never shared it with anybody. You know, I just kind of had my own world and then tried baseball, camping, you know, hanging with my dad and blah, 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 whatever it is you do as a kid. And even when I tried to express myself through either art or dance or music or theater, I got pushback. My dad would go, mm, you know, that kind of a thing. My dad was a cool guy. He would never say anything, but it was like, mm, you know, that's great. Let's get very, you into football. Very macho, very, um, no, it wasn't macho. macho. Just, no, it wasn't macho. Just didn't understand. Mm. You know, I think dads want to do what their dads did. 
right? Their dad did for them and he wants to do for his son because that kind of seems to be the ingredients for how you're a good father and you raise a good son. And so I would do dance and he would put me in basketball. I didn't work out in basketball. I would do theater. He put me in football. Didn't work out, right? So my dad was not like, mm, you have to do, my dad was never like that. But these are the things. So I, I think I felt a, the solitude of an only child because I couldn't, that's the closest thing I could even say to being an only child because I had nobody to share this with. I didn't even share it with friends. Wow, that's, that's, uh, that's actually very interesting that, that, that you would have that kind of experience because, um, yeah, I, I like, at least from my perspective, from the outside of seeing friends that have siblings and like have a larger family because either they grew up with their, uh, with their siblings getting along or they all grew up like fighting constantly all the time. And, and now either they, they're very close or they don't talk at all. And I think in, 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 in some cases, um, those are the two patterns that I've seen. When you were growing up, though, I mean, did you, you didn't have brothers or sisters, but did you ever feel like you couldn't be yourself? Or were you always just yourself? Because your parents just were like, he's our star, whatever he wants to do, he does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, being an only child means that you are like the apple of your parents. I, and, I, and I've been very lucky to have like an amazing mom and an amazing dad. And, and who were like helpful in every way and like, you know, would support mm -hmm. me. So I, so I should have felt totally comfortable about expressing myself, but for mm -hmm. the part of the reason I didn't, and I think that also comes down to something about seeing the way other boys at that age around you are expecting you to act, right? Maybe it was, maybe it's, a, maybe it's like a peer pressure thing because you're, you're, if you're a teenager, like you don't really know much about being a man. Uh, that, that, that's just true. That's just how it is. And and you figure it out and you try and you fail and, and, and that's how you learn. So I mean, authentic, the whole thing authentic, about authenticity is a very yeah. important one for, for teenagers. I mean, the whole thing about learning to be a man. I mean, we talk a lot about that in the book, right? Um, you know, my dad worked from nine to five, like most dads in, right? No farm, right? No, nobody worked on a farm. We lived in a city. And um, he was the one I learned how to be a man from. Um, God, I hope my mother doesn't watch this one. But I had a very strong mother, right? And that's a really big sign in our book of a nice guy's a very kind of a very strong female presence. And she really was the one who raised me. And learning to be a man, what that, for what that, what that means, like within the book, um, I had to learn outside of that. So literally when I, when I moved to New York, I'm 3000 miles away. I started that process of, you know, new apartment, totally on my own, knew nobody, you know, my relationship with my dad grew because we didn't have any interference. God, I hope she doesn't watch this. Um, <laughs> but we didn't have, <laughs> she, <laughs> my mother's a great woman. It's just, she did what she, she did what she knew. But um, yeah, so, I mean, we learn from our fathers, our grandfathers, maybe our uncles, but I don't, I think I learned from my dad kindness. I don't know if that's how to be a man, but that's like an attribute that I value. But, you know, how yeah. to be a man, what does it mean to be a man? I think I 
really learned that from my since I moved to New York. Mm. No, did you, I, I did you get that? Things, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I, like I will talk about New York as well. Like how how I felt when I was in New York, and so one of the first things that I learned is like from my dad about being authentic and honest. My dad's a very very honest man. Mm. Like he'll he he'll never do a wrong thing, and that's just the way he would tell you things. Uh, when I when I was young, and, and I mean, I I. I would say like, you know, I'm not as like a hundred percent honest as, as he is in, in, in every way. He's the most, one of the most honest people you'll meet. And I'm actually, I'm actually very happy that, that he is that way because it's like, a, he's like a good role model. For me. But you were telling me that you were telling me that that actually hurt him in some instances. Well, well so the, the, the only, the only thing with that was that sometimes if you know, where you are and if you're too authentic in a corporate situation right that can kind of backfire on you but but even even when my dad did that and did tell a former boss that he was not happy with the way he was being treated mm -hmm. and like even though he was like uh obviously this guy's was his boss and so on but i mean even he said that like that took courage and that took bravery and and i think he just knew where his boundary was and, and i actually really support him for that because i always commended him on knowing um what actually what actually his own personal core beliefs are and um and, and coming to new york and my, my time spent there the what he learned is that new york is a hard place man like if you if, if, if you don't settle in, if you don't know, like, you know, how to get out there and like do things on your own or get out there and make an effort in making friends, uh, it's the kind of city that can actually like, you know, take away your enthusiasm. And uh, like, again, and I know that because I'm from a city that's very much like New York. I'm from Bombay, where, where again, no one cares about you. And it's like a mass of people, like a big financial hub, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but, but yeah, how was it like for you? I guess, how was LA like? Cause I know you grew up. Yeah, there. I mean, how was the yeah, I don't even, I didn't like LA. I mean, I was very happy to get out of there. Um, LA didn't do anything for me. Um, I did meet my best friends, uh, out, you know, in college. So that was good, but I'm, I'm not going to let you off the hook so quick. I want to know something. <laughs> so you admire your dad greatly for his honesty, but you've said right here that you really don't do the, you don't go that far in your own yes. life so why not why aren't you just following your dad's full-on example and being you know honest no matter what or authentic to the 10th degree yeah yeah that's a, that's a very good question and i have thought about that before and i think um it's just we have two different styles we have two different styles in the way we do things and part of me, if I do have to be very empathetic and honest about, about, about something, like I'll probably be a little, I'm usually slightly more subtle about it, which probably means in that sense that I am more susceptible to the whole covert contract kind of thing, or, or even mm -hmm. just like not setting strong enough boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. and, and just becoming like somewhat like of a, um, I guess, doing things that you might not really want to do, but just because you don't want to cause a problem. Kind mm -hmm. of I get that. I totally get that. And I think it's also to do with being an immigrant, part of me, because because honestly, as an immigrant, you have a lot of pressure when you move to an unfamiliar country with all these visa restrictions. And 
you have to do a lot of shit that you don't want to do. And, and, and you can't really speak up because if you speak up, guess what? No one's going to care, honestly, in many situations. So it's really about, I mean, like when I was saying that I strive to be authentic as much as possible, as often as possible, just because I don't think you could do anything 24 seven. Um, at least, you know, maybe you can, I don't know. Maybe nuns do it, maybe priests do it. I don't know. Maybe religious people do it. I don't even know. But I know for me that I kind of have to give myself a little break and say, listen, you're gonna do the best you can in the moment because I don't believe in perfect. You and I've talked about this. Um, yeah. I think perfect is truly the enemy of the good. Um, but you brought something up that is going to lead us to the next part. I put in our little thing about to talk about race, but you just said immigrant. And let me ask you something. Does being an immigrant change the way you are as a man? Because you're in a country, you are one way and you are a man in this country, but now you come to a new country and things might not work the same and you might not be treated oh, yeah. the same, right? So does that change any of these things about accountability, responsibility, authenticity? Do you have to change those things in order to move through the new, the new place? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, so you don't need to change them because I mean, being counter authentic still hold true, but you do have to realize that if you are in a new place that's outside your comfort zone, you're mm. going to start like at the bottom and you have to like build your way up and you actually have to um, learn the rules in terms of uh, things like your finances and like things like, you know, um, like legal stuff, getting jobs, building a network, yeah. Yeah. making, speaking the local language. If let's say you don't speak the local language, I was lucky to learn English in India. And so when I've lived, I've lived primarily in English speaking countries apart from four months in Germany, which is again, very interesting, but uh, it's, it's, it's like, you have to literally speak the language of the, the people there. And, and I feel I've really adapted to being- Let me ask uh, you. To I survive mean, and even thrive in different locations. But, you know, we talk about like your dad, I hope it's okay we're talking about your dad. This is, I don't mean, <laughs> I just, only because you brought him up, but um, you talk about your dad. If he's watching, he, hey dad, like, you know. <laughs> Hey, Daddy's dad. Hey, Dad, love you. Just, 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 <laughs> hey, Dad, love you. But if you... <laughs> you can see the same to your mom, by the way. You can tell your mom, hey, Mom, I love you as well. I know. I just don't want her watching this one today. Uh, <laughs> I just don't want her getting upset. No, but what my question is, your dad is the, like, the, the most honest person who will say to his boss, I don't like this, I don't like that, I'm not going to be treated this way. But you come into a different country as an immigrant, if you do that to your boss you will not have a job. So um, how do you, Some places, depends on the well, place. But seriously, I mean, you come into New York, you get a job with anybody and your boss does something and you say to him, don't treat me that way. You think he'll you could, keep- Yeah, you could get fired. You could just get fired, yeah. I mean, you know, look what's at stake. <laughs> would you, the question is, would you say stuff like that? You need the job, you need the money because you have to pay for attorneys. You have to pay for all this other stuff, right? It's, you don't. You're yeah. not just coming here to visit. You want to live here. Different. Yeah, you have to literally evaluate the consequences at that point. Like if it's something that's going to cost you your job, and in many cases for immigrants, the job is linked to the visa, right? Mm -hmm. 
So what happens is when you lose the job, you could actually lose the visa and you have to remove, leave the country. Mm-hmm. So the consequence of speaking up like in, in, in my dad's case was like, well, hey, if he gets fired, he'll look for another job. But in my case, if I, if I get fired, I'd literally move to another country. That's true. So, and that so you have to. In consequences. And in the way you approach things. I mean, again, you, you can strive for honesty at all times, but that's not reasonable. I don't think. Yes. And then we, you know. I um, agree with that. <laughs> but does that make us any less authentic? I mean, does that make, if we say, or any less of a man or any, I mean, do we, no, is, is being a man an ideal that we strive for as, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I don't think it does personally because, because I think that um, as long as A, it's not something that you're doing as criminal, B, like I, I'm not advocating dishonesty, but if someone does essentially break certain rules and is like you know not being authentic about uh about their actions because of a compromising situation they're in or to prevent really negative consequence from happening mm-hmm. that doesn't make them less of a man it, it's it's like that it's like that age-old debate would you steal bread to feed your family mm-hmm. that that's the ethical question that's actually underlying to this and and the question to ask as a, as a man Every man essentially has to ask that to himself at some point in their life. Are you gonna? Mm-hmm. Are you gonna mm-hmm. do that? Yeah, I'm wondering if it feels like we've been talking about what does it mean to be a man within like business kind of thing. Yeah, I think there's different meanings, or it feels different if we're in personal relationships, because oh, authenticity and honesty and responsibility and accountability are very, very important right? They, that's trust. That's very super important. And any, not doing any one of those things could cause that trust to fail. So it's not just enough to strive for honesty. You need to be honest. Yeah, because if it's a relationship, guess what? If you're not, it'll break down. It'll break down. Over time. And that's what's... Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but like in a year or like two years. But it's really interesting that I guess as men or as people, we can hold those two things which are complete opposites. So in my relationships, I want to, I'm going to be 100% authentic. I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm going to be 100% accountable, 100% responsible. But in my social life, I mean, outside of my personal relationships, maybe my business life, I can't be all those things all the time. Responsible? Yeah. I could get the work done on time, but if I don't, will I say to him, I'm sorry, I didn't get it done. This came up or I'm, or would I make up an excuse? Would I, you know, right? Those are, (laughs) right? It's a little different or at least it feels different. I don't know if it should be different. Yeah, I mean, I I think, I think in some ways, like the reason it's so difficult and and this this is probably why a lot of men uh, struggle with, with with loyalty with women and like obviously they're, they're they're they have like obviously they've cheated on their significant other and they've hidden it from from them for years like and I don't know if you know what the Arnold Schwarzenegger and like he had a, mm-hmm. like multiple love childs with the different, right, different women and like and then and then twenty years later it all comes out like oh we did a DNA test and this person is, is your son or daughter or whatever it is right and mm-hmm. and at that point it's like. Okay, so for 20 years, were they inauthentic to the to their closest 
confidant, like someone who's there every day? And how did they survive for 20 years? Well, I mean, if, they're, if their spouse didn't know, then yeah, that's horrible. That's a complete- I don't think she knew, like, like Maria Shriver? His, I have no idea, know? but I'm just saying in general, if your spouse doesn't know, man, that's some deep, deep crap <laughs> that you did. That's some really deep stuff you did in that relationship. I don't know. I, um, I don't know, I find, I mean, I, I think I'm so much better now in my relationships than I was probably back when I was married. I think when I, I know, I think I'm a better man now than I was back then because I think I've kind of added to my list of being a man that setting boundaries and being authentic and holding, you know, holding other people accountable to their word as long if it concerns me or us, <coughs> you know, um, I'm much better now. I, I wasn't very good back in 26, 2015, 2016 um, when I was mm. married, but I'm much better now at it. I think as I worked at it, I've really become, I made an effort to be aware, you know? I mean, you've been doing No More Mr. Nice Guy. I'm in my second year of it, but you're in, you've done it for many uh, years. Like yeah, four, like I want to say five five or five years right five. so you've had yeah, a lot more. of you've had a lot of a lot more time to reflect and to to kind of yeah to reflect on all of it um what is the one thing that you're doing now that you didn't do prior to the book yeah, i guess as a okay. man what is the one thing that you can say as a man i do this now or i didn't do then Hmm. Very good question. I think it is it is being comf well being okay with taking more risks. Mm. Being okay with with that discomfort, right? Um, because huge. you don't know how the outcome is going to be, how things are going to turn out, but you've still taken the shot. You you've still taken that opportunity, and I think. While while this also applies for women, so this is not just specific uh, sure. uh, men, but sure. but in the book, Dr. Glover talks a lot about like you know nice guys and how we're afraid of taking risks and afraid of change and and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And I think that has been the biggest theme, actually being okay with being in the UK, multiple places, like actually you know being okay with changing my life circumstances, the people mm -hmm. I'm with mm -hmm. in my in my relationship. Uh, like you know, even having a different circle of friends, it's just a holistic idea of putting yourself out there and and sort of being okay with whatever comes back or doesn't come back. Right. Yeah. You know, I was thinking. I was just thinking when I said 2015, 2016 that that's not really accurate. I I think my biggest risk was in uh, 1999 when I decided to move to New York and I moved, bought a one-way ticket, never been here before didn't even know, never saw the apartment I got before I moved in. So that was my biggest risk, but it was just the very, very first step of this journey. But I don't think I ever got as clear on what it is to be a man until literally, I'm gonna say within the last maybe four or five years, once my father passed away, um, I think, and then the book and meeting all of you, right? Meeting everybody in the group and Dane, um, I think that's when I really got a firm grip, so to speak, on what it, what it is to be a man and the things I was doing right and the things I could improve on. So yeah. it's really, 
Yeah, so moving to New York was probably the biggest risk I think I've ever taken in my life. To that point, um, I've taken risks. That was a huge one. That was a really huge one. Yeah, and I, I want to touch on this, and because I, I, you brought this up, and feel free to yeah, like not. Let's go. We'll just do. We'll do one more, one, one more little segment, and then we'll call it okay. Sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, and I think all, all, all the points we looked at before we started talking, the one thing that I mean, I, I, I thought maybe you can talk to you from personal experience is like how being, uh, how being a, a, a gay man actually changes oh. uh, society's expectations of you, or, or what kind of unrealistic. Um, I guess expectations you you felt when you were not able to come out of the closet, and, and there's a whole bunch of well, things that goes on with that. So if you, if you can I mean, talk about it, I know it's let me say this. No, I'm going to talk about so. it. Let me say this. Um, being a gay man, I don't know if it's. I mean, I assume it's different than being a straight man. I'm not straight, so let's just say that uh, being I'm a man who's gay. I'm a gay man. You know, things are different. Um, I remember trying to act straight in certain instances or trying not to be whatever too gay meant, but you can't be authentic that way, right? So it's complete opposite of, of authenticity. Um, but all the same things apply, man, in my relationships when I date somebody or when I'm married or when I'm in any relationship with, uh, if I have a boyfriend or a partner or a spouse, all the same things apply. There really isn't anything different. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the <laughs> except maybe there are two deep voices or we could share each other's clothing. Maybe that's like the only different thing than a straight relationship. But I don't think being a man is any more or less if you're gay or straight. Society is another subject. Um, you know, I always, uh, I'm very comfortable. I don't hide anything when I'm out. I don't try to be any certain way when I'm out, um, you know, now or many years ago. Um, but that takes time. But I think that takes time with anybody. I don't know if it takes yeah, more yeah. or less time if you're gay versus anything else. Maybe it does. I don't mm -hmm. know. Did you feel like, I guess, society sort of, treated you differently because you came out of the closet or, be, or before that? Did you feel any difference no. in, in society's perception of you as a man? Because, because I think you, the perception... They, they knew that you, you were gay. Kind of. I think yeah. that... Let me say this. Uh, there's before New York and after New York. So before New York, um, I think it was me in my head of me trying to fix things or me trying to compensate and not just being mm -hmm. myself and kind of letting them deal with it. You know, me trying to fix it for them, whoever they are, right? But after New York, I mean, I'm in, I'm, I'm in, a, I'm in theater, so everybody's gay for the most part. So I'm in an industry where I'm, I've got a lot, a lot of like-minded people. I'm in New York. I got a lot of like-minded. I'm in a like-minded city. I felt very comfortable being myself here. I mean, I could only imagine the difference if I was in like some small town in Kansas. Mm -hmm. I think it would much different, maybe much different answer. Yeah, but honestly, I don't remember ever being specifically treated differently. I do remember being made fun of or inappropriate jokes or things like that that I had to either laugh at, but I never would be like, don't say that. You know, I, mm -hmm. I never really did that. I don't know if that answers your question, but. Yeah, no, I, I'm also talking more in terms of like, 
um, a lot of bullying that happens nowadays, and especially like now with social media, it's the whole cyber bullying and so on, just because someone uh, came out of the closet or, or I mean, anything in yeah. general to do with sexuality is just, uh, there's a lot of bullying going on, right? Let me ask and, you this. And, and I think people, and, and little, little boys, like primarily boys and men, they need to be able to be given the tools to deal with that. Well, I agree with that. But now I'm really curious because straight men do act different if there's a gay man around. They might be mm. a little, act a little tougher or try to seem a little more macho or manly. I've seen that all, I see that, um, I see that a lot. I've seen that a lot. I haven't really? been out. It's been COVID. I haven't been out. But let me whoa, ask you whoa, this. Whoa, whoa. We're having the same interaction right now. I, I, I don't but we're do, friends. Well, we're friends. I don't think I do. Yeah. But hold on. Okay. We're friends. We're enlightened or we're at least we're friends. Woke, we're, we're, woke is the right. I don't. I honestly don't woke know. Is the, I, the new age terminology for this stuff, apparently. Yeah, I think, I think it's just misappropriate. I don't consider myself to be woke, but I'm just saying that's what people. Anyway, so saying. we're enlightened. I think the difference is more when you're in junior high, high school, and you're starting to see differences. You want to be popular. You want to get the girls, right? So if somebody is less than, if they're gay or different, you want to point that out. I did it. Oh, my God. I bullied a kid because really? he was more gay than me. And everybody, instead of them picking on me, I'd rather them pick on him. Wow. It was awful. That's, that's but I, I mean, but that's really, I look, I didn't know I was doing it at the time. I just knew I was saving myself and he was treated awful and he was treated horribly. And I watched it happen. It was awful. My, at my 25th high school reunion, um, his name is Joey. I was, uh, as tw my 25 year high school reunion, I went up to him and I apologized and he was very gracious, but I apologized because it was awful. But at the time, that's what I felt I needed to do. Otherwise, it would have been me. So we're tying this back in the circle. You were authentic to him on the 25th. Yeah. Uh, the 25th oh, well, yeah. I wasn't. I was just, I just <laughs> felt, yeah, authentic. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we are. Listen, man, I think we're at You were a man. You were a man. And you just you practice what you preach. Man, 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 man. Anyway, man. so listen, let's uh, call this a day. Um, sure. Let me say thank you to everybody. Thank you to Addy all the way in London, the United Kingdom. Cheerio, have some tea. So <laughs> that was stupid. So let me say uh, thank you to Addy and thank you to everybody who's watching or listening. Um, this is uh, Nice Guy Deep Dive. Uh, hopefully, we'll episode see you. Three. Episode this three. is episode three, right? So we're getting better at this, I think. Yes, anyway, did yes. you want uh, you want to say anything before we go? No, just, 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 just uh, thanks for uh, listening. And uh, yeah. it was always great. Good to talk to you, Ben. And yeah, see it's you great next talking. Time. I know, right? Um, I'll see you same same channel. Okay. Uh, bye, everybody. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next bye. week.